Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fat Boys Dynasty Podcast presented by the Fantasy Holics. Uh, coming at you just a little bit late this week. Uh, wanted to make sure we pumped out the NFC East to you guys. Um, it used to be called the NFC Lease, but uh, a lot of these teams have been doing doing their thing and rebuilding and, and, and really prepping their teams for fantasy uh, relevancy here now. Um, um, by a lot, especially, I mean, especially when you got. When you got teams like, uh, uh, you know, the, the Washington Commanders trotting out Carson Wentz and the Giants still trotting out Daniel Jones, they've done a lot to come out of that to come out of that nickname of the NFC League. I was going to say by a lot. I, I was going to say by all of them. I mean about two of them. <laughs> but um, well, let's just. What's uh, your statement? Yeah, let's just let's just jump straight into this. Um, I believe you have the champs and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'll let you roll right on into that, and uh, then I'll come back at you with with uh, Philly. Yeah, you know, uh, Brant, we I know we've said on uh, other episodes that some of these divisions line out the way exactly like you think they will, and other divisions have been tough. I I, I got to be honest, uh, the two teams that I took out of the NFC East here, uh, getting ready to talk about one of them being the Dallas Cowboys. I really struggled with this division. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more clear-cut and concise than what it was, but it's it's not been the case. Um, so what I will do is I will start with the Dallas Cowboys, and this is one that I'm, I'm a little bit more um, comfortable with. Um, and so here's my thing with the Dallas Cowboys is I know typically, Brant, we do a stud, a dud, a sleeper, and a breakout. I, I, I've got no breakout written down for these Dallas Cowboys. I probably could have went, um, you know, with the, the Tony Pollard route or, uh, you know, somebody like that for my breakout uh, contender. But I, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that, mainly because I've got two studs on this roster uh, or this this for this team. And I think um, one of them is Zeke and I, I know that, uh, Brant, you and I in the past have, have absolutely hated on Zeke uh, in the beginning days of our podcasting uh, life as well as uh, in, in dynasty leagues that we've been a part of. We've faded him. Um, but this is a guy that just last year finished seventh in PPR. And if you want to go back to a year where he finished outside the top ten in PPR, you got to go all the way back to number seven or week or two, 2017 where he played in 10 games and still finished as the running back 13 after his suspension that year. Um, So this is a guy that just every single year finds a way to get it done. And, you know, right now he's going in the early fourth round um, at at his ADP is the 51st player off the board. Uh, And so when you're, when you're, when you're building a dynasty roster, whether you go the zero running back approach or running backs early and often, in the fourth round, you either have a stud tight end and two stud wide receivers, and you're getting Zeke as your first running back, or you're going the opposite route where you're stacking running backs, and this Zeke may be your third running back. If you can build a roster for a dynasty window and you, and you have uh, a dynasty draft and you get Zeke as your third running back or even your first running back with studs around, your team's going to compete. Um, and, again, I know, like I said, I know you and I have hated on him in the past, but uh, this is a guy that just finds a way to get it done every year. Um, my other, my co-stud, if you will, since I, I took the easy way out and didn't uh, do some deep dive looking for a, a, a breakout, is, is C.D. Lamb. Uh, and initially I had C.D. Lamb kind of as a breakout because I think C.D. explodes this year. Uh, but the problem is with CD's current ADP, I just couldn't list him as a breakout because right now he's the tenth overall player uh, in dynasty startups. So he's he's going, you know, firmly there in the first round, fourth wide receiver off the board behind Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. Uh, 
And, you know, if, if I'm if I'm sitting, you know, in a 12-man in a league, if I'm sitting in the 12th overall pick, I'm sitting at that turn and, and CD's still on the board, I'm licking my chops. Um, you know, this is a guy that uh, Amari Cooper's been shown the door uh, there in Dallas, now part of the Cleveland Browns we talked about a couple episodes back. Um, and, you know, CD has all the makings of being – uh, you know, right there with Jefferson and Chase, he's just needed that opportunity. And now that Amari Cooper is gone, we know this Dallas Cowboys offense uh, can put points on the board in a hurry. And we know Dak Prescott's one of them quarterbacks that can air that ball out uh, and uh, and move the ball really quickly. And I think Ceedee Lamb's going to be a huge uh, benefit uh, benefactor of that, or beneficiary, if you will. Um, and you know, it's just again, I, I, it wouldn't have been fitting for me to make him a breakout with where his ADP is, but. Uh, in comparison to what CD Lamb has done the last two years, he's going to break out onto the scene big time this year. Um, <coughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over to my sleeper Brant because my dud I think uh, I may get some reactions here, maybe out of you, maybe not out of you. We'll see. Um, but my sleeper is Michael Gallup, and you know right now Michael Gallup's being drafted in the mid tenth round. Um, and for a lot of the reasons that you can be excited about CD Lamb, you can be excited about Michael Gallup. Um, Amari Cooper's out of town. Um, Michael Gallup should step into that uh, almost CeeDee Lamb role last year where he's getting, you know, 80-plus targets. Um, you know, somebody that uh, Dak may end up looking for when CD is now drawing the number one co- uh, corner and there's no longer that Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb both being options. Uh, and, and, again, this is a guy that if, if I'm getting him in the 10th round – um, this almost feels like a steal to me. I think Michael Gallup, if he, if there wasn't the question of him missing a few weeks uh, to start the season, his ADP would go up higher. And I think uh, for those leagues that are still going to be drafting in the next couple of weeks, that ADP will shoot up a little bit with the news coming out today that he won't be going on the pub. Um, so I, I, I look for Michael Gallup uh, to have a, a very good year. I, I wouldn't say that Michael Gallup is going to go be a world beater, but – you know, if you're getting this guy as your third wide receiver, maybe a potential flex option on your team, I think you'll be very happy with the results that, that he churns out. Um, yeah, I, def- I definitely saw that uh, before you hop into your dud. I definitely saw that report come out, and I knew, I knew right away you've been you've been uh, extremely on the Gallup train um, for for a few years now, and uh, I knew that was going to. Uh, Tickle, tickle your fancy just a little bit, seeing that he's going to miss the pump list, which is good for him um, and, and great for anybody that does own him in Dynasty Fantasy because this guy this guy has made an impact when he's got his opportunity. And this year they have shown that, hey, in, in, in uh, Lamb and Gallup we trust by moving on from that big contract they gave Cooper. Right. Right. And, and again, the, the – the pass catchers uh, in Dallas, you know, you got the addition of uh, Jalen Tolbert as well. Uh, it should still be very exciting to see these guys on the field next year. Dallas's offense has never been one to uh, to disappoint. Uh, defense, on the other hand, and maybe come playoff time, they find a way to disappoint. But uh, um, the, the, they're a lot of fun in the regular season, at least. Uh, let's move into the dud here. And this is one that I'm – maybe slightly jaded on because this this player cost me a chance at going to the uh, championship in our dynasty league last year uh, and that is none other than Dalton Schultz 
currently Dalton Schultz is going as the 67th player off the board. He's the, it's the middle of the fifth round, um, and he's coming off the board as the seventh tight end. So there, the guy is drafted, being drafted behind him, Pat Fearmuth, Dawson Knox. There's some names there, okay? But what I found that was really interesting, Brant, is so weeks one through 14, so the regular season of most fantasy leagues, Dalton Schultz went over 15 points in PPR three times, okay? Three times he went over 15 points. Six times he was held under 10 points in weeks one through 14, with four of those six t- or, uh, four of those six times being under five points. So you're telling me that there's a greater chance in the regular season of Dalton Schultz going under five points than there is of him going over 15. I don't, I don't understand why I would draft that in the fifth round. Um, again, this is a, this Dalton Schultz has been a few years in the making. I know up until last year, a lot of people were back and forth. Is it going to be Blake Jarwin? Is it going to be Dalton Schultz? Which one of these guys is going to emerge? And Dalton Schultz last year did it at the right time for a lot of people. And in a lot of dynasty leagues, I imagine people were getting massive hauls for Dalton Schultz if they were willing to move him because he blew up at the right time last year. And I, I didn't write it down, but I think if I was if I was looking right, he averaged like 22 points uh, a game there during the fantasy playoffs. So it was a guy that for a lot of people, um, you know, helped win leagues. And for, for me, if, if I'm looking at the body of work, the entire body of work, uh, which weeks one through 14 aren't necessarily as near as important as, as weeks 15, 16, and 17, obviously we all know that. Um, but again, the sample size of week, weeks one through 14 are, are much broader uh, than the sample size of 15, 16, 17. Uh, and you also had to throw week 18 in there as well for that after 22 points because he didn't play week 18 last season. Again, I, I'm just with those numbers of only going over 15 points three times and being under under five four times it's a fade for me and at that adp if if this guy has more games again next season where he's under five points than he does where he's over 15 next year you, you'll come back and that adp will be slightly lower or drastically lower if he doesn't blow up in the playoffs again but i'm fading dalton schultz brand i don't know what your take is on him absolutely dalton schultz is a guy that that, that is um how do you put it? Um, the victim of the hype train. Um, this hype train is is just barreling down the track because, like you said, at the end of the year, he just he blew up at the right time, right place, right time. You hear that all the time. And yes, yes, yes. he did. He he won me that championship. Yes, he's this guy. But it, it really, look at and 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 you look as as Cooper's gone. So everyone's like, oh, there's vacated targets. Yeah, but. Schultz was already there last year, and um, I, I don't have it pulled up. How many games did Schultz play last year? Did he play the full season? He did. Okay. Yes, he did. So he's already been there. He's already been part of that offense. So are these vacated targets going to him? Are the vacated targets going to be spread out between your wide receivers one, two, and three? Tony Pollard coming in more often. Um, we've seen reports out of camp of Pollard being mixed in at the same time as Elliott. I don't see how the 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 filter or the funnel of targets gets funneled to Schultz that everybody's on you know on their high horse about him. I do think his upside is there absolutely. But you said his ADP is what the fifth sixth round. No thank you. I'll pass on that. Mid fifth. Yeah, I'll pass on that and I'll take a punt out there on 
if I'm not going after Pitts, like in dynasties, I, I know you love this. I am going after Kyle Pitts in dynasty leagues. I absolutely love his ADP, but that's, you know, we've already hit on that one. But, um, yeah, no, if, if, if I'm missing out on, on Pitts and, and Kelsey and Kittle, I'm, Schultz is not my guy. I'm, t- I'm already punted on the position, and I'll roll out with Dallas Goddard. I'll roll out with Cole Clement. I'll roll out with some of these younger guys. I'll go try to find Trey McBride. Um, I, if I have to, I'll go take Zach Ertz and roll a year with Zach Ertz if I have to and punt on my, my tight end. Schultz is not going to be a guy like he's not in that tier of your Kittles and your Andrews and, and and your Pitts and your and your Kelseys, he's not in that tier that's going to overhaul, win that position battle when it comes down to fantasy. Sure. And, and I, I just don't see where that value is. This this is a guy that he's in the punt position where he's at with tight ends in, in my eyes, and and I don't see where he even has that much upside to be in the fifth round. You're talking. Kelsey in the first. We'll just run this down. I know I'm probably off on ADP. Kelsey in the first. Pitts in the second. Andrews in the third. Kit and and Kittle in the fourth. So that you're telling me I in the fifth I got to take Schultz? No, thank you. I'll I'll pass on that. Yeah, that's probably pretty similar as as far as uh, as where their ADPs would be. Absolutely. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll into uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um. This one's gonna be a little um. um a little mixed in. I'm gonna have uh, my bust, my bust, and my sleeper kind of roll all in together, and then my stud and my breakout will also roll in together. So let's start with my dud and 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 my sleeper. My dud is Miles Sanders. He's being drafted as the 80th player off the board. So yeah, it's a decent ADP in the round seven, but you're taking a guy that has never been the clear cut RB one in Philadelphia, and he's 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 already missed time due to injury at camp. Um, in this preseason, and he's missed time in the past and in past years, and I, I just don't see how uh, Miles Sanders really can hold up to it. And I don't have this pulled up right now, but I do believe Miles Sanders in his last year of his contract, um, and and so I just don't see how Miles Sanders can bring any type of that value. That's in round seven. You're talking. I got to take this guy, and, and he's kind of in that RB dead zone as um, as we talk talk about. Um, and I just don't see how he returns that value as some of the wide receivers that are around that area in, in drafts. So Miles Sanders to me is 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 is, is the dud of this team, and he finished as the RB forty four. Now here's how I get into my sleeper: the man that finished as RB forty two, Kenneth Gainwell, his backup is going as the 157th player off the board in round 13. Gainwell's young. Gainwell is a great pass catcher out of the backfield. We've already seen Philadelphia wanting to use him. He already he already got into the end zone in their preseason games. We've seen Gainwell running with the run ones all camp. And, and like I said, he finished better than Miles Sanders. Kenneth Gainwell in the, in the 13th round is a guy that I absolutely love. Um to take that gamble on and and as you know I did trade for him this offseason because I am very high on him first off Gainwell's 23 years old compared to I think Miles Sanders is 25 and already has a history of not being able to finish the whole year um, last year Sanders played 12 games Kenneth Gainwell played in 16 
So already showing more versatility. 16 for Sand or Gainwell in his first year, and Miles Sanders has played 12, 12, and 16 in his three years in Philadelphia. Give me that gamble way down late, and give me that Kenneth Gainwell right now, um, rather than taking that uh, taking uh, Miles Sanders there in the seventh. Yeah, you know, Grant, I, my two cents on this Philadelphia running back room is uh, is. I'd rather stick my finger down my throat and make myself gag. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you look back at some of the guys that have turned in relevant performances in recent recent memory uh, in Philadelphia, I mean, you're talking Corey Clement, uh, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it seems like there's different guys every season they just come out of the woodwork and 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 put a couple games out there or whatever or just take enough away from you know guys like uh um uh, miles sanders you know as late as miles sanders has fallen still i mean i i'd have to look but I, but i'd imagine he's probably in the 20 range of, of running backs you know that's still a guy that i'm willing to take a chance on um I know you're a little bit more high on Kenneth Gainwell than I am, and I think Kenneth Gainwell will have a big role there. I think this is going to be one of those backfields that's going to be a running back by committee, a, a true running back by committee. Uh, but I, but if I had to bet, I'd still say Kenneth Gainwell's getting you know maybe second and long and third down work where where Miles Sanders will get more of a traditional first and second down role. Uh, and I would still expect Miles Sanders to be the goal line back this year. Um, but I, I couldn't fault anybody for saying, you know, Miles Sanders is ADP is a little too high for me, and and I'm going to pump that and come back around and get his handcuff, or or maybe the, you know the other guy in, in that backfield who's got standalone value. Um, and you know, there's been backups in Philadelphia for years that have had standalone value. If you if you think back to you know Boston Scott a few a few years ago when uh, he had standalone value for for better than half the season. Uh, again, it's it's a it's a you either have to have one in, or, or you either have to have both in that backfield or you have to have one that you, you just have that gut feeling about. And, you know, uh, you've got a big gut, my friend. So if, you're, if your gut's saying it's going to gain well, I'm going to roll with you on it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know that the Philadelphia Eagles is, is a little uh, close to my heart when it comes to fantasy, I believe. I believe I've accidentally built my dynasty around this offense um, a little yeah, too much. I, I think... <laughs> I think we could we could be wrong here, but I think there's going to be a solid chance that about seven of these players that we talk about tonight, if not more, are on your current roster. Uh, because I, I have one as well that I'm going to talk about a little bit later on that's on your current roster as well. So Well, let's see. We've already talked about one on my current roster. Let's go ahead and two, hit two more off my current roster. Uh, my stud is, J- is Jalen Hurts. He's going as the f- 65th player overall in round five. He finished as the QB9 last year. He has that rushing upside. Um, he, he, he's they, they built that offense. I feel like they got a lot better bringing in A.J. Brown. I think this is more um, – more in, in hindsight of how it got better isn't just bringing in this one player. The way it got better is now they really have two wide receivers that have played wide receiver one 
in an offense. A.J. Brown's coming in. He is going to be the alpha, the number one wide receiver. But in in, in uh, Philly, I believe they have a, a 1A and a 1B here. And that's going to bring me into my breakout. Devonta Smith is that 1B. He already played all last year as the 1A there in that offense. And I think now he gets to see the number two coverage. He's going as the 63rd player overall. He's young. He finished as RB as, RB, as wide receiver 29. Um, these two guys are going right now. Neck and neck, 65 for Hertz, 63 for uh, Devonte Smith, and I absolutely love what this offense is bringing out now. They have built this offense to Jalen Hurts' strength. I think you know with Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders, you're going to see a lot of RPO. You're going to see a lot of quick getting these two wideouts and Smith and Brown in open space off this RPO. And we know that both these guys can move with the ball and can get a lot of yak yards. Devontae Smith is a guy that I can easily see finishing inside the top 24 of wide receivers. I think this is the year that we see Philly really take that huge jump with both their wideouts because you have to respect that that A.J. Brown status, and you have to respect the route-running ability of Devontae Smith. So really, with both these wideouts, I really like both their ADPs. And I'm, I am just more comfortable taking the rollout with Devontae Smith in the, in the fifth round rather than A.J. Brown in the, in the late second, early third. Um, but I really feel like this offense is going to take a huge step forward for fantasy and, and help a lot of people move forward in, in this year, in, this, in, in, in fantasy this year. So, so here's my problem with, with the Devonta Smith thing. So last year he was the 1A, right? And he finished his wide receiver 29. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 25 currently. Mm. So he's being drafted four spots higher than where he finished last year without A.J. Brown in town. Now, I could, make, I could see the argument being made that Devonta Smith's volume should be better because, or not his volume, but his value should be better because his volume will be more impactful um, because A.J. Brown will have that number one corner for the other team. Um, much similarly in the way to what we talked about a few weeks back with Hunter Renfro with Devontae Adams now in town. Um, but, uh, again, in a dynasty league with Smith's age, I understand him going where he's at, but that may be a little rich for my blood drafting him four spots ahead of where he finished last year. Um, again, there's always, there's always some, uh, some irregular irregularities to that. There'll be some old guys creeping in there. Um, you know, some guys will start falling out. Other guys will move and shake. Uh, but I just think it, at his, at his current ADP, um, and, and where he's at in the pecking order of, of wide receivers. I mean, <sighs> This will be a, t- a tough one for you because one of the guys you may be trying to acquire in a trade and another one you currently own. So are you taking Devonta Smith or Garrett Wilson in a dynasty startup? Ooh, that one's tough. And I, I know they're right there. Um, uh, we're going in dynasty startup. I, I'm actually going to have to lean Smith just because I trust his quarterback just a little more than I do with Garrett Will or with uh, Zach Wilson. Okay, uh, how about a Monroe St. Brown? Man, you're just you're just going right from my throat, ain't you? Um, <laughs> These are the two names right on either side of, of Devonta Smith right now. I'm actually going Monroe St. Brown because I feel like he is going to be Goff's go-to guy, and I look for St. Brown to have a huge year this year. So I'm actually going to have to take Smith or uh, Brown over Smith on that one. 
I'm going to throw three more names at you, and then I'll then we'll, we can be done with the Devonta Smith. Debate. If you throw out Bateman, you already know my answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about Mike Williams? Ooh, that one's tough, man. Mike Williams had that stretch of good games, then got banged up. I'm going to go Smith just because Williams' injury history scares me just a little bit still. Okay, and then uh, let, the last one we'll do is uh, Cortland Sutton. I'm going with Sutton, man. I got to go with I got to go with Russell's number one. Okay. All right. So the, uh, again, it, it's kind of. I think there's probably five or six names you could move in front of him in ADP that I'd be, and then I'd be a lot more comfortable with where Devonta Smith sits. That's that's just where I'm feeling on that so, right now. Again, this Devonta Smith's wildly talented, and if AJ Brown's not there, I absolutely love Devonta Smith's value and where where he sits right now. But AJ Brown scares me. So I do have to go out. Sutton is a little bit of a homer pick for me because we all know I'm a Seahawks fan, and Russ was. I watched Russ, you know. Um, with Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So I do know what Russ is capable. I know Sutton does have that injury in the past, but I really, really feel like that connection with Sutton and Russ is going to be something special. I like the connection between those two than I over Jerry Judy also. So I do want to make sure I throw that out there, that his injury history does scare me a little bit, but I know what Russ is capable with his number one target. So, so that that uh, that really sums up Philly. I really, really, as you know, with my fantasy um, lineup, I really do believe in that offense this year. And um, if I'm completely wrong, then I guess I'll be on the outside looking in of the playoffs one more year. So, um, so, so let's uh, yeah, let's uh, roll into our next team. And uh, I believe that one's you. Yeah, so the next team, obviously, in the division, uh, that this is the one that I really just am not sure how I want to do this one at all, but uh, it's the New York football Giants here. And uh, for the first time in recent memory, I'm a lot less excited about the Giants than I am their or their uh, town rivals, their city rivals, if you will, and the Jets. Um, you know, th- this is a team that there's a lot of promising young players. There's a lot of uh, disappointing players. Uh, uh, veterans on this team and, and uh, you know um, I, I know that a, a lot of folks are excited about Brian DeBull being in town and, and what he may bring and how he may change the offense and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see um, but uh, let's let's just start with my dud on this team uh, duds I should say because uh, this this is one where I really struggle to just pick one dud and uh it would have been simple enough to just write Daniel Jones and not put a single other reason or, or rationale behind it. Uh, but Daniel Jones is obviously, in my mind, he's a massive dud. I mean, last year, the waiver wires and the, and the claims and the ads that happened after he had that 70-yard 70, 70 run where he tripped and fell before he got to the end zone. Uh, but, you know, Daniel Jones is just not good for fantasy. Uh, it, it's not a lot of fun to have pass catchers catching the ball from him. I certainly, man, if I was ever in a predicament where I had to start Daniel Jones at quarterback in, in fantasy, I would not be very happy. Um, but let's hope that that after this current season that Daniel Jones is not the starting quarterback in, in New York uh, any longer. 
Um, another one that I want to talk about here, uh, this is where I said I was going to bring up another one of your, your roster players. Um, let's talk about Kenny, Gain- Kenny Gainwell. Um, Galladay. This is a guy, Galladay. Or, sorry, sorry, Kenny Galladay. You're, thank you. Uh, this is a guy that is still being drafted in the 14th round of Dynasty <sighs> Star Shouldn't drafts. be. Why? Shouldn't I mean, be. I, I, I remember somebody drafting him in like the fourth round of a Dynasty startup just a few years ago. Yeah, that was him um, coming off a great year. He was finished in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, going in the 14th round currently, um, you know, this is this is a, a, a guy that I, I'd rather I'd rather draft the punk god, Matt Ariza from Buffalo. Uh, even if he can't give me points just to say I'd had him on my roster than it would be to have Kenny Galladay. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the, the Giants continuously drafting wideouts the last couple of years is further proof that they just don't buy into the Kenny Galladay hype either. Um, and then my last dud also ties in with my stud. Uh, it's the same player from my dud and my stud here. Again, this is a, a team that threw me for fits. Uh, it's Saquon Barkley, uh, and he's a dud for the same reason he could be a stud. Okay, he's being drafted early third round. Uh, he's the 27th overall player, the 13th running back off the board. All right. If Saquon Barkley gets back to what he did his first two years in the league and you draft him at his current ADP, hmm. you are going to be ecstatic. Okay. But Eli Manning was there his rookie year. We all know those dump offs aren't coming like they did that rookie year. Those that, That's never going to happen again for Saquon Barkley. Okay. Not saying he's not a very competent pass catcher, but that, that, that kind of volume is just not happening. And, you know, Saquon is the type of guy who appears to have like the Rashad Penny, like made of glass, can't stay healthy uh, stuff going on here the last several years, uh, which is brutal, um, especially if you're the guy drafting him. But again, if, if I'm if I'm early third round and I'm I'm staring Saquon Barkley in the face, and I've drafted him a few times this year, Brant, so it's not that I don't believe in Saquon. Uh, we actually did that startup dynasty draft. Uh, on the Fantasy Holics uh, page with with some of our uh, uh, co co hosts and co guys on that sh- on that podcast or that Facebook group, excuse me, on the Fantasy Holics, and I actually got stuck with Saquon. And, and you know where where Saquon fell in that draft, it was like the fourth round or something. So I I was a lot a lot more comfortable with it than what I would have been in, at his current ADP. But again, if this is another season where Saquon plays half or or just maybe even a little over half. You're, you're probably going to be, again, end up fairly disappointed that there's other names in that third round that you could have went and snaked up, which, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but um, I, I, Saquon, Saquon, you either got to be all in or you got to be all out. There's no in-betweens here uh, with, the, with the New York Giants uh, uh, running back here. Um, let's move into my breakout because this is one I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with, even though right now he's kind of nursing a hamstring thing. Uh, it's Kadarius Tony and uh, Kadarius Tony is a guy that is being drafted similarly to Michael Gallup in the 10th round In a dynasty startup. I'm taking Kadarius Tony over Michael Gallup every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, this is a guy that is extremely electric when he gets the ball in his hands. 
Um, he's a guy that can make people miss. We saw a decent stretch of, of uh, Kadarius Tony last year where, um, matter of fact, I think it was against the Dallas Cowboys last year where he just had like maybe one of the best wide receiver games of the season outside of J- Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. Um, and so Kadarius Tony is a guy that if you can get him in the 10th round and you believe in the fact that, you know, Brian DeBull is going to come in and turn this offense around and, and make it a little bit more exciting and a little bit more viable, um, this is a guy that at his current ADP of the 113th player off the board that, um, you know, do you, is there really any hesitation uh, if Kadarius Tony is the name on the board? Um, maybe, but it would have to depend on if you had faith in, in, in my sleeper more so. Um, and my sleeper is only a sleeper in the sense that I didn't want to do two teams back-to-back where I left out one of these spots and I had two people at the same spot. Um I've got Wandale Robinson as my sleeper. Um, and, you know, Wandale Robinson's going uh, in the mid-13th round, tail end of the 13th round. Uh, there's 32 players being drafted between Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Toney. Uh, very, very similar with what they do and um, how their game plays out. Uh, you know, I did uh, end up getting Wandale Robinson in the third round of our rookie draft that we just completed this weekend, Brant, for our dynasty league that we're both a part of. And Wandale Robinson uh, is a guy that I really – I really wasn't too high on until I actually went back and watched some tape of (laughs) of how he was in Kentucky. And it was like, man, is there there any way other people were sleeping on this guy? There's no way he makes it to me in in the ninth pick of the – of the, or the 10th pick of the third round. Uh, and sure enough, there he was sitting right there. Um, but this is a guy, I mean, he can take the top off of defenses. He can catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage and, and make things happen. Uh, unless it's the preseason game last week where he had three receptions for negative three yards. Um, but any other time, potentially, he could catch the <laughs> ball in the backfield and make some things happen. Uh, but, you know, this this is a guy that I think Wandale Robinson you're going to have to be more patient with than you will with Kadarius Tony. But again, Sterling Shepard's he's 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 still in New York. Uh, I can't imagine for too much longer. You know, how long is Kenny Galladay still around? Uh, eventually, I think it's going to end up being the Wandale Robinson and Kadarius Tony uh, pairing there. Uh, and hopefully, when that does take place and happen, there's a little bit some better of a, a quarterback option under center there, uh, or Brian DeBull um, re, rejuvenates Daniel Jones's career. Um, you know, kind of the way with what happened with Ryan Tannehill when he got out of uh, and, and away from Adam Gase. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But those are those are the two things that I'm actually genuinely excited for in New York is Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson. Everything else, I'm kind of I'm kind of like. Uh, I'd much rather own every Jets fantasy relevant player than I would, you know, every Giants fantasy relevant player. If that kind of settles the argument, absolutely. Um, with the Giants, and, and I noticed with with your sleeper and your breakouts, um, really Saquon's like the only. I can't even say safe with him. Saquon's like the only piece that I genuinely would be okay with owning this year. Other than that, you're you're talking uh, uh, Tony and Robinson. These guys are kind of like grab and wait pieces. Like like you said, it, it, the Bulls going to probably get that offense a rolling, and it's probably not going to be this year. Unfortunately for the guy that drafted Kenny Galladay in the fourth round of our startup after he came off the you know one of his the only good year of his career, and I 
I was a Daniel Jones believer two years ago, and I definitely don't believe it anymore. This is an offense that you are going to have to wait on. These are players that you just stash on your bench. Bench Tony is definitely a guy that you can plug in as a flex, you know, if you need a, a, a bye week fill in. Wondell Robinson, so I watched that, that Giants game, and th- this really made me laugh. And uh, they, they got in the huddle, and he was standing there next to Kenny Galladay. Wondell Robinson is just a, a little guy out there with some of them other guys. He and, sure is. And he definitely is a guy that just seeing that in the huddle and then seeing his speed back when I went and looked at Kentucky and uh, watched him watched him play, this is a guy that I could definitely see turn into a little gadget player. And I think that, that the ball is really going to – really going to use him to his advantages but once again it's a it's a sit on and wait piece and and, and in a redraft league i don't think i'm taking a swing on anybody in that offense outside of saquon barkley and um but in dynasty i definitely would not mind holding on to them two guys and watching this this offense grow um so I'm going to jump into Washington, and this is just a puke offense. And mind you, I am going after a player in this offense, but it's or I'm not going after. I own a player in this offense, and it was definitely of in Of course my- you do. This is, the, this is the Brant Walker roster special. Yeah. So this was a guy that I drafted. I watched his film, and I'm going straight into my breakout. And this was a pick I took at the 204 in our rookie draft. And in my head, I'm saying this is a future pick for me. This is a future pick for me. I really feel like the value will be there. I feel like his talent is too good. When when Carson Wentz is out of town? Yes, and I believe okay. in that backup and Sam Howell. I do believe in Howell. Um, if you remember, we were talking at the draft that I said I really wish Seattle would grab this guy late. I really wish we would grab this guy late. Well, guess what? Watching Sam Howell in the preseason, I feel like he's better than the, the two, three quarterbacks we've rolled out this preseason. So I really wish Seattle would have grabbed Sam Howell, but that's a, that's neither here nor there. My breakout is, is Dotson there, the wide receiver two in Washington. And once again, he's, he's a sit-on-and-wait pick. This guy was electric coming out of college, coming out of Penn State. He um, is a guy that can really, you know, make defenders miss after the catch. Um, he's a guy that, that wins wins the majority of jump balls. He's he's going to be a guy that, that I really feel like will be a go-to target in the future. He's 22 years old, um, 5'11", 182 pounds, and he's already moved into the number two role. Now, I know that's not really hard in Washington. He had to beat out Curtis Samuel. So it's not too difficult in that offense. But I do think this guy is going to have a very, very valuable part in this offense in the future. Now, I've already said I don't plan on moving him off my taxi squad at all this year unless injury bug hit me and I'm forced to. Um but this guy is definitely a future pick in most dynasty. Um, I, he is going as the 112th player off the board, which I think is, is is very reasonable. You've already filled out what you believe in and what you want to what you want to throw out there before you're stabbing at this guy here. So I believe that's a very good spot for him. Um, which that's going to roll me into my stud. It's Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin has done um, done everything for this team with this team. And let's let's talk about some of the quarterbacks he's had. I mean, Carson Wentz um, this year, and he had um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the quarterback last year? Um, oh my goodness! You know, I know he had he had Fitz at one point throwing in the ball. Um, I'm completely drawing a blank. Yeah, yeah, Smith throwing in the ball. Completely drawing a blank on who finished the season for him. Uh, Terry McLaurin's my stud. He, he finished as like or he's going as a wide receiver. Or, 
He's going as the 36th player off the board. Um, he's finished uh, 25 last year, or, or 25th in PPR, 20 and 29th, with quarterbacks that really, honestly, probably are career backups. I think Alex Smith may have been the best one that has ever actually rolled out and played with him, and and that was coming off a, a, a career, what should have been a career-ending injury for Alex Smith. Um, Terry McLaren's a guy that just always seems to be creeping around the, that wide receiver two spot, and uh, going as a 36 player off the board, this guy, he, he's really the only thing I'm excited for in this offense this year. Um, it, so, it was, uh, by the way, Taylor Henneke that you. we were thinking of for thank last you. year. Yeah. Yes. So, exactly. Name draws a blank, and he still finishes as a 25th wide receiver in PPR. And um, so, I really feel like this guy is the most exciting thing on this offense right now. And even with Carson Wentz, I still think Terry McLaurin's easily to roll out as your wide receiver two or flex. Now, I don't know if I trust him as my wide receiver one, but if that's who I end up with after stacking, like you said, you know, getting Elliott in the third round and this is who I have to roll out, I'd be pretty comfortable with that rolling, you know, top three backs out in Terry McLaurin. Um, so it's going to get me into my dud and my sleeper here. This is same, apparently the same thing with Washington as I did with with Philly. Um, Antonio Gibson, he's going as the 42nd player off the board, the 19th running back off the board. And, yes, he's had 10 touchdowns in the last two years, at least 10. He's had 11-1 and, and and 10 in the other. And he already seems to be in the doghouse of, of, of – um, of Ron Rivera, he had a fumble in that first game, the first preseason game. He had a fumble in the um, in the practice to follow that first preseason game. He's been returning punts. We really don't know. Excuse me. <coughs> we really don't know what his situation is going to be this season. And he's got my sleeper pick, Brian Robinson, just staring right behind him. And this guy was a guy that I know both you and me loved coming out. Of, of college this year out of Alabama. 20, 23 years old, six foot one, 228 pounds, just a big bruiser back. Now he started over Gibson in this week's um, preseason game, which may say something, may just, you know, be a little slap on the wrist to Gibson going, no, no, you know, you're in trouble. But that's something to really look at. I mean, he got drafted and, and Ron Rivera openly came out and said, this is going to be a one two punch. Well, as, this, as the preseason and camp has gone on, this one-two punch is starting to look more and more like Brian Robinson may be the one to Antonio Gibson's two. And you're telling me that I, I have either the 19th running back off the board at, you know, number 42 or the 148th player off the board in Brian Robinson. I'm going to take my stab on the rookie young guy that's been playing running back his whole high school, college and NFL, well, I guess really can't put NFL in there yet because he hasn't played a regular season snap. But this guy's been playing running back. Gibson, if you remember, was a transferred wide receiver into running back. So he's still learning the roles. And if you kind of watch Gibson, I know that he's, you know, looked electric at times. But if you kind of watch him, he seems to struggle finding holes sometimes. His patience behind the line seems to be a little shaky. So I just don't know if Gibson's Gibson's the answer there in, in Washington. And I, I, I believe Brian Robinson will be the answer. And I think he'll take over that backfield full-time sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know, I, I've been on the fence with this one more, more so lately leaning towards Brian Robinson. But I actually happened to do a little research on Antonio Gibson today, uh, and oddly enough, he wasn't on either one of the teams that I talked about today. But 
Um, the, you're absolutely right, Brand. This is a guy that's just been within the last, what, three, four years transitioned from a wide receiver to a running back. So those fumbling issues are going to happen, right? Like that, that's something that it, it, it's going to take him some time. I mean, look at Zeke. Zeke's been a running back his whole life and still fumbles frequently. Um, you know, there, there's other guys that have come into the league that have had fumbling issues that they, they're able to work out and, and grow out of. Um, and my my problem is is that I think Antonio Gibson's by far more talented than Brian Robinson overall. I think Brian Robinson's probably more of a true running back than Antonio Gibson is, obviously. But the problem for me is J.D. McKissick's already been slotted and dubbed as the third down back this year. So I think no matter whether it's Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson, their values immediately cut a little bit because of the, the third down work going mainly to McKissick. And then when you factor in the fact that I still I still truly think Brian Robinson's talent or Antonio Gibson rather is is talented enough that he's gonna force his way onto the field as long as he doesn't fumble in big game situations. Who cares if he's fumbling in the preseason? I, if I'm Ron Rivera, I, want, I care if he's doing it in the regular season when these games mean something. But I still have a feeling that, that you're going to see some form one way or the other of Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, and J.D. McKissick all out on the field. And with that being said, I'm probably similarly to you. I'm going to shy away from Antonio Gibson's ADP right now and lean more towards Brian Robinson, similarly to the way with, we talked about with Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders. But, but I would never fault somebody for still taking Gibson where they're at because Gibson's done it the last two years. Gibson's like you just mentioned. He's finished with the touchdowns. He's he's had the, those PPR finishes um, currently, which Ron Rivera doesn't care about where he finishes in PPR. Obviously, Ron Rivera cares about <laughs> winning and losing. Um, uh, much like uh, you know, it, it, it's very similar. It's another one of those running back running back rooms that I think is going to be a true running back by committee, which we're seeing more of that nowadays. Which is why that that zero running back approach is becoming so popular because you you almost pick. You throw a dart at, at, at any of these teams in the NFL, and uh, you're more than less likely going to fall on a running back by committee. It, it's getting much harder to, you know, uh, pull out the uh, running backs that are getting exclusive work. And really, um, Brant, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, uh, you know, CMC when he's healthy, Najee Harris, uh, I mean, even Jonathan Taylor has Naeem Hines getting work behind him. It's not you know, as frequent as some of these others, but, you know, Aaron Jones has AJ Dillon. Uh, the Buffalo bills is, is a wildfire. I mean, it, it's harder to find these running back by committees. So, or true running back bell cows versus running back by committees. So you almost, you're almost forced to take, you know, a shot on a guy like Antonio Gibson at some point, if you don't get that bell cow, because you got to have those, those darts to throw where it, it may stick. It may not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely understandable. And, and like I, like you alluded to, it's 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 with those guys in, in in both teams that I covered in Philly and Washington, it, it almost is ADP based and how your gut feels with them. Um, and so, I mean, I know that we have talked about Gibson in the past. Um, I believe we've had an argument about Gibson in the past, and just he, one or two. Yeah. yeah, he's just one of those guys that. He always seems to hang around, but this time he actually has somebody that is capable of taking his job this year. And watching just a little bit of film now, mind you, I I was uh, unable to dive into rookie film a whole 
heck of a lot early in the in the off season. It took me it took me a while to get there, but after starting to dive into this film a little by a little bit more uh, than the past week, I, I, I definitely could see an easier way for Brian Robinson to take that role um, over from Gibson. Let me let me just uh, change my opinion on this real quick I'm, I, I would fault everybody who took Antonio Gibson at his current ADP right now because uh, I guess I hadn't been paying much attention to Antonio Gibson's ADP the two names or the, the two names in front of him that I would most certainly take over him are Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins those are the two closest in front of him you just had to throw then, in a few more of my roster <laughs> and then David Montgomery Leonard Fournette Zeke Elliott and Kenneth Walker are the four names after him. I'm also taking every single one of those over him. And then if you scroll down quite a ways here to where we see Brian Robinson, uh, there's one name that I can find like anywhere near him that I'm taking over him, and that's Daryl Henderson. Uh, but Chuba Hubbard is draft, being drafted in front of him. Uh, I'm assuming that's because people that have a top three pick are going, I'm getting CMC, but I have to have some kind of assurance there. Uh, and then Khalil Herbert and Naeem Hines are the two backs. I, Ryan Robinson, I'm much more comfortable with the players around him taking him over them versus the names around Antonio Gibson. It's not even close. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think that wraps us up for the NFC East. I will not call them the least because there are two teams that I'm actually excited for. Um, this season, um, I believe we have one division left. Last and, division left next week, and it's the, the best b- one for last. <laughs> the big boy division. Um, so AFC that's C West. Yeah, that's going to be a uh, fun one to cover, um, and we're going to get it out to you. And then I believe we're going to try to uh, get some fat boy hot takes out before the season, and then uh, then we're gonna we're gonna uh, work out our schedule and, and hopefully. Um, We'll be able to really break down what we're going to cover during the season because um, uh, I know during the season it's 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 a little harder to cover dynasty in its full aspect. That's that's more of an off season thing. But we're definitely going to stick to our dynasty. We're also going to shake in a little bit of um, um, redrafts, our, our starts and sits, and, and and some of the games that we're really looking forward to um, week in and week out. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, uh, dynasty guys to trade for, guys to sell. Uh, and, we'll, I, and I'm sure, Brand, I know we've talked about this in the past, too. We're, we'll definitely uh, be doing some updates on some guys doing some shooting and shaking on the uh, the draft, future draft with the, with the college players as well that are starting to stand out. So, <laughs> excuse me. Absolutely. You got some some things to look forward to there from from the dynasty side of things. Absolutely. So uh, I think that's gonna uh, wrap us out, wrap us up for tonight. Um, and as always, stay hungry and stay fat, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>